0: Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is Our Chosen Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Today's going to be different, I'll tell you why in a minute, but uh, I thought I would start out by telling you a story, true story. Um, I'm not going to tell it in detail. I'm not going to tell it uh, really specifically. But as you pray, I'm, I trust that all of you are praying regarding what's going on in the Middle East as well as what's going on in the country, all over the world. And uh, we absolutely want to zero in and pray against a World War III, a premature World War III. I mean, you can bury your head in the sand and live your happy life and pretend, but that's not going to do any good at all. We really want to avoid the enemy's plans and strategies. And yet, uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of spending time with someone who was a former Muslim. And I can't tell her testimony the way she did, but I do want to tell you this part because it is so amazing. And and so without going into all the details that led her to this, she was raised in the Muslim culture. She's from Persia. And during this time, she ended up getting into New Age, very much into New Age, which, of course, is a bit of deception and a lie. And uh, in fact, I was thinking already, summer Bible study, I'm going to have her do the first testimony, because just to tell you the whole story, was that tremendous. But she came to the point where somebody witnessed to her and told her about Jesus. Don't ever think your seed is in vain. Don't ever think that it's not going to do any good, because that is a big, that's the biggest lie the devil wants you to hear, because the Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? So... So the seed was planted, and through a series of events, she was led to search about Jesus online. And she finds this preacher in Africa, and she starts listening to him. And he begins to call out words of knowledge. And there was a heavy presence of God, a heavy anointing. And so she assumed the Muslim prayer position. You all, you all know what that is, right? You know, lay down flat, face to the ground, hands flat. You've probably seen it on TV or used to be. I don't know anymore. But if you drove by the airport at the right time, you could see a whole slew of them. And so, you know, we have a choice. We can either judge them or pray. And so she assumed that position face to the ground, hands down. And she asked Jesus, if you're real, make yourself known to me. She had a very different name, not at all an American name. And all of a sudden, this African preacher, thousands of miles away, calls her by name and says, so-and-so, get off your face. True story. Gave her heart to Jesus. And serves him in this church very powerfully. A few weeks later, Jesus comes to her husband in person. At night and says, give me your hand. So, well, why did he do that to me? Well, you know what? You live here. You have a lot of light. Jesus is appearing in droves to the Muslim people. Because those who sit in darkness shall see a great light. And I'm telling you, we are without excuse in this country. There is no excuse. And so I just thought I would start out by telling you that because it was like one of my favorite stories in the world. I have a few favorite stories in the world, and you'll know because I'll tell them all the time. So (laughs) on the way over here, I was talking to Cindy. And I told her something that's happened to me in the past two days, yesterday and today. And I'm driving into the parking lot, mind you. And the Holy Spirit says, change your message. In 50 years of ministry, I have never had this happen. Say never. But I have said, Lord... I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Just help me. And the funny part about God is he'll take you at your word. And so I said, well, Lord, all I need is some scriptures because I didn't want to be. I only have a New Testament with me and I needed an Old Testament. So I texted my daughter, Katie. Funny, this morning I called her. I said, don't come today. She said, why? Do you need my help with Winnie? And I said, no, I don't think so. Because my family thinks I am a ridiculous human mom. And I treat my dog like I would treat my child. And she's a little thing. She's a seven-pound, malshy, and she doesn't like to be alone. And so I don't leave her for huge periods of time. And I take her every place that I can that won't kick me out. I have been kicked out, by the way, of a few places. And, and I don't have a good attitude when that happens. <laughs> So if you want to know where, I'll be happy to tell you afterwards. (laughs) But I said, no, I really, you know, I just need you to stay home. You can watch online, do your work. Well, I immediately knew then why, because I needed her to send me the scriptures. And then I went to our beautiful Grace back there to freeze my phone because the um, more mature people have no idea how to do that so that I would have scriptures. So, So I don't know, this might be a really short message, but I am going to ask you, Delinda mentioned a prophetic act you are going to be asked to do a prophetic act. And what does that mean? Some of you are going, I don't know what that's talking about. It means you take action on what you hear. And you do something to declare it. Where's that in the Bible? Okay, I can give you so many examples. How about the woman with the issue of blood? Do you think she had to touch his tassel to get healed? No, that was her act of faith. Faith without works is dead. Or what about naming the leopard? Go wash seven times in Jordan. Well, he thought that was stupid. But when he did it, he got healed. Or how about the blind man? Jesus, do you think Jesus, he'd open blind eyes easily. But instead he put his DNA, he spit in the dirt, made mud, put it on the guy's eyes and said, go wash. The Bible is full. I could give you so many examples. What about... Feeding 5,000 men that did not remember, they did not number women and children. It was 5,000 men. Can you imagine how many women and children there were? With two fish and five loaves. Somebody bring me some food. Lord, there's not enough. There's only a little boy with two crackers. We don't mean H-E-B loaves of bread here. We're talking two crackers. or and, No, excuse me, five crackers. And two fish. But in the hands of God, that feeds multitudes. Multitudes. And so, you will be asked to do a prophetic act when I'm done. So, here's what happened. I'm just gonna lay myself bare. I very, very much believe in being vulnerable. Because it's not going to do you any good. And it's like I said, a chosen. If, you know, sometimes you look at people in the pulpit and you think, well, they don't have any problems. They can't possibly know what I'm going through. And that's just a bunch of horse manure, to be honest with you. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all put on our pants the same way. If you're supposed to put pants on in the morning, you don't put it over your head, do you? No, you put one foot in, second foot. We all do it the same. And so yesterday I was praying and a few weeks ago I I woke up and I heard a scripture from Isaiah and it says, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstacle out of the way of my people. And I said, Lord, I'm asking you to remove every obstacle out of my life. Show me what they are, but rather the command is to the people. See, we want God to do everything. But he already did everything. 2,023 years ago. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement we needed to obtain peace and well-being fell upon him, and by his wounds we were healed, or are healed, and were healed. 2,000 years ago, he's already done it. Now it's our turn. And so I had a totally different message for you today that's been life-changing, but, you know, before I could share that with you, I had to share the past two days with basically no notes except for scriptures. So pray for me. (laughs) And so, so I asked the Lord, show me any obstacle, Lord, I'll remove it out of my way. Yesterday, I was praying, and I felt a little bit burdened. And in a vision, an internal vision, I did not see, you know, something physically in front of me. When I say vision, I don't mean, you know, that I saw Jovette and Nanette and Janice sitting before my eyes. I saw it on the inside of me. You know, all of us have a screen on the inside of us. You know that, right? Every one of us have a screen. And on that screen, I saw what was, and I didn't realize what it was until a little bit ago. It was a white cinched bag. And I realized a little bit ago it was a laundry bag. Now, what does a laundry bag hold in it? Dirty clothes. But the bag was filled with stones. S-T-O-N-E-S. And the Lord began to show me stones that I had collected along the road of life. And they weren't, you know, in the Bible, there's two kinds of stones. They weren't memorial stones, good stones. In the Bible, memorial stones were made to represent like a miracle, something God had done. But it wasn't those kind of stones. It was stones of judgment and fault finding. Now, I would not have told you before yesterday I had a stone in my life. But when the Lord says something to you, you know what you say? Yes, sir. Yes, master. Yes, my commander in chief. Show me what they are. And in my mind, I just emptied that bag. And it would have been really nice if that was over. I would have appreciated it. But it wasn't. And so that brings me to today. The Lord had me do some things this morning that I'm not going to go into. They were all good things. You know, one of the greatest actions that you and I can take. And I, I need you to listen to me and not fall asleep. Because if you do, I'm going to wake you up. I'm going to say, so and so. I'm going to call you by name. Yeah. If I don't know your name, I'll just go, hey, you. Yeah. But one of the greatest actions that any of us can take is to do good to people that have wronged us. Bottom line, you can't stay mad toward people that have wronged you if you do them good. Now, I don't know what that is, but I'm just telling you the truth. I've, I've done it dozens of times. And so the Lord had shown me some things, and, and I did them. And so, but once again, as I prayed, <laughs> I started seeing the stones again. And the Holy Spirit said, John 8, and I knew what it said. I'm going to read it to you. Yeah, y'all can just pray for favor for me because like a brilliant person, a few years ago, I got a call from a phone carrier and, and I had some of my services with them. And they said, if you switch over to us, we'll give you a brand new phone free. And I said, okay, I don't care what carrier I use as long as the phone works. So I did it. And they said it was a three-year contract. I didn't think much of it, but except I really need one of those big phones. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I went in to the carrier and I just said, I, you know, I really want to trade in this phone. And they said, okay, well, you still owe. And it was, I'm not willing to pay it. I could, but I'm not. Because you, you have to buy out the, the blessed phone. <laughs> and I want one of those big 15s that are out now. So anyway, just pray I find a way around it. How's that? All right. And Randy goes, we'll just pay it off. I went. No, I refuse. John 8, 3. Now the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. They made her stand in the center of the court and they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such a woman to death. So what do you say to do with her? What is your sentence? That is so pharisaical. Because, see, we always want God to punish people for doing something wrong, especially when they do it to us. And they said to test him, hoping they would find grounds for accusing Jesus. But Jesus stooped down and he began writing on the ground with his finger. Now, nobody knows what he wrote. Some people believe he wrote down the sins of the people. Some people believe, which personally I believe, he wrote down the names of the people standing there. He didn't know them personally. It was a crowd of Pharisees, more than likely. However, when they persisted in questioning him, he straightened up and he said, He who is without any sin among you, Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. He stooped down again and he started riding on the ground and they listened to his reply and they began to go out one by one, starting with the oldest ones, well, because they had more sin. (laughs) Except you and me, Lewis, we don't. And, And it went to the youngest until... He was left alone with the woman in the center of the court. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Did no one condemn you? And she answered, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, from now on, sin no more. I read those words, which I know very well, and... My husband walked in the room. I said, honey, could you go to the garden? Because I knew what I had to do. And I, would you get me a rock? And he did. And he brought in a smooth stone. Looks like a potato. And he said, are you going to slay a giant? <laughs> and I said, yeah. But the giant is in me. And I heard Ezekiel eleven nineteen. 19 And I will give them one heart, a new heart, and put a new spirit within them. I will take from them the heart of stone and will give them a heart of flesh that is responsive to my touch. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my ordinances and do them. And I read that, and I took that laundry bag, and I emptied it out of all the stones for many decades that I've kept nicely in my fake white, because really it was this color, I emptied all the stones of people, nobody in here, by the way, don't sit there and try to figure it out, that I had collected over decades. And here's the truth. They really had done wrong. They really had. But does that give me the right to cast a stone? Because, see, in the New Covenant, we don't want to talk about sin. Yes, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might be made the righteousness of God. God, is, God has done all the forgiving he will ever do at the cross. He did not impute our sins against us. They are forgiven. They are cast as far as the east and from the west. They will never, ever touch each other again. But when we sin, we give the devil an entrance. God is not judging us, but it gives the enemy license into our lives. And I don't want him to have any ground in me. She said, Jesus said, the ruler of this world has been judged and he has no place in me. And we are called to live a holy life. And holiness does not mean I glow in the dark. It means I have separated myself from everything that contaminates. And you might be sitting there today and you online might be listening and say, well, you know, I just don't do that, Sandy. Well, good for you. But the fact that you just said that means that you do. There is not a person, a human being, that does not have a stone in their bag. I wish I only had one. They're gone now. And so, yes, my darling, I slew some giants today. Like David, he picked up five smooth stones. So I thought it was interesting that, he, that Randy brought in a smooth stone. And then I was getting ready, and Janice had been to the Joyce Meyer Conference and, and blessed me by sending me the conference. Did you have to pay for that? Well, thank you for sharing your ticket with me. <laughs> and so I thought, well, she said you have till November 24th. And I said, I, I just felt direction. Okay, watch one. And so the first one that came up was Joyce Meyer herself, This 80-year-old firecracker telling you I will not let but You people all over the world. Shame on anyone who judges anyone for their age and thinks that a, a 70, 80, 90, 100, 110, 120-year-old cannot be fruitful. In fact, my spiritual father, the Lord, he said the Lord asked him to live 120. Well, who wants? I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily want to live to be 120. And the Lord said, here's why. I have strongly anointed people in their 40s and in their 50s and in their 60s and their 70s and their 80s, but you start getting into your 90s and everybody puts you away. He said, I need a generation that will show the strength of the anointing as they grow older. And I made a decision that the anointing will increase in my life, not decrease. We, gotta, we have to get the stones moved out of the way. And so she starts out. Now, I, I can't preach it like Joyce. Who can? And she looked young. You had on a beautiful pink blazer. And I mean, you, you would think she was 50. And she starts out quoting Mark 11, 22 through 24. and You know what that says, have faith in God. For whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says shall come to pass, he shall have what he says. Wow, that's really wonderful. But she said, what about verse 25? And when you pray, forgive if you have anything against anyone. Amplify Classic says, let it go, let it drop, in order that your father in heaven may forgive you. And she said, I know what it's like to be hurt, to be wounded. Yeah, I mean, her father raped her. I can't even compete with that. Who would want to? I know what it's like, but she said, the person that's hurting the worst by holding on is you. And she said, if you know you have something against someone, and if you have something against someone, you have a bag with these in it. Stand up right now. And she said, not, not, well, no, you don't have to yet. I love you people. And she said 95% of the audience stood up. You're going to get a chance to stand up in a little bit. 95% of the audience. And I'm sure the other 5% was lying. And then she prayed a prayer to forgive. So I emptied my bag of stones today. I don't ever want to pick up another one. What does that look like? It looks like finding fault with people. It looks like judging a person. You know they might have done wrong, but that does not give me the authority to judge anybody. And I'm very careful about that. I really am. I'm very, very cautious about not passing judgment, but maybe not so cautious about picking specks when I have a log in my own eye. Now, if you live with anybody, you know what I'm talking about. It's not possible, people. Until you do glow in the dark. I could call you by name. I know some of you, and I have a wonderful husband. I'll pick on Lewis and Dee Dee. Dee Dee, as wonderful and amazing and awesome as Lewis is (laughs) and proud. I'm kidding. Have you ever, ever found fault with him? Thank you. (laughs) And all the women said, Kirsten, as amazing as your husband is, have you ever found fault with him? Yes. Everybody, come on. Is it okay? No. It's never okay. Never okay. We had a cross-country meet. My grandson did, one of them, and I want, and I want to be there when that bell goes off, and so how many of you know, and this is not a judgment, I promise you it's not, but how many of you know that men know directions everywhere and you're not allowed to tell them any direction? <laughs> so I knew how to get there. I had been there and he didn't. And he said, oh, I know where that is. And I'm reading my phone. And he goes, no, I know, I know which, which direction to go. And so he starts to turn right, and I said, "Uh, uh," he goes, no, this is the way. And so we get a little further, and I'm starting to feel nauseous. And I said, honey, I think you took a wrong turn. No, I didn't. And then the phone rang, and it was our daughter, and she was tracking us. (laughs) For good reason. She looks after her parents. And she said, Mom, you took a wrong turn. And I put it on speaker and I said, I told you. <laughs> and so, I'm, I mean, I'm just on the inside of me because I'm thinking we're going to miss the bell. We're going to miss the start. I've got to be there. I promised him, I promised him I would be there and he would hear me yelling. I have a fairly loud voice without a microphone. And we did make it. But I got out of that car and I told the other grandmother, I am not letting him go anyplace with me again. Come on. You've done the same thing. Love is patient. Love is pa- I'm still not letting him go anyplace, but I have a good attitude about it. Let's talk about the good stones. Isaiah 8, 13 and 14. It is the Lord of hosts whom you are to regard as holy and awesome. He is your fear and he is your dread. He is your sanctuary, a sacred, indestructible shelter for those who fear and trust him. Both to the house of Israel and Judah, he will be a stone on which to stumble and a rock to which to trip, a trap and a snare for the inhabitants. To who? to those who don't make Jesus Christ their cornerstone. What is a cornerstone? A foundation stone. All other stones will be set in reference to the cornerstone. I'm not a builder. I've never built a house. But that first stone, that cornerstone, is the anchor. And Jesus is the cornerstone. Isaiah 54, 11 through 13. Oh, afflicted, storm-tossed, and not comforted, listen carefully. I will set your stones in mortar and lay your foundations with sapphires, and I will make your battlements of rubies and your gates of barrel stones. And all your walls of precious stones and all your children will be disciples of the Lord and obey his will and great shall be the peace of your children. When? When you allow the cornerstone to build your house of precious stones, not stones of judgment, not stones of fault finding, not stones of picking specks. Isaiah 2816, therefore, listen to what the Lord says. I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone. And he who believes in, who trusts in, relies on, and adheres to that stone will not be disturbed or give way in sudden panic. I love that scripture because the whole world is trying to get you to panic now. I read some things last night by witnesses that were so horrifying of what the Spirit of Allah does. I'm not going to repeat it. And I sent it to my children, and I sent it to a really good friend of mine, and she said, I can't read this. It's nauseating. Yes, it is. But we can't keep burying our head under the carpet. And I said to my former Muslim, now dynamic Christian friend, whose shepherd called her by name, I said to her yesterday, you know that Allah is a demon, don't you? And she said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do you think these people, this is human beings? No. These are people that have been given over to demonic spirits. But those who make Jesus their cornerstone will not give way to sudden panic. Psalm 118.22. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Zechariah 10.4. From them shall come the cornerstone, the tent peg, the bow of battle. From them, every ruler, all of them together. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the chief stone. And listen, Matthew 21.42. Jesus asked them, have you never read in the scriptures the very stone which the builders rejected and threw away has become the chief cornerstone? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous and wonderful in our eyes. And Here's where you and I come in, because we need to use our stones to righteously bring down every giant in the land. But before you can bring down giants, you have to become a man and a woman after God's own heart. We use our stones to slay giants, not, not people, not humanity. Goliath was a giant. He was a mixture of a human mating with a demon. It's in the Bible. I don't believe that. Okay, read Genesis. You'll see it. First Peter 2, 6 and 7. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a chosen stone, a precious, honored cornerstone, And he who believes in him, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on him, will never be disappointed or put to shame. That is a pretty strong promise, people. That when we make him our cornerstone, when we anchor our lives in Jesus Christ, we will never be put to shame or disappointed. I always tell people disappointment means reappointment to his appointment. Never let a disappointment bring you down. I have. I can testify to you in seventy years. Whenever I've been disappointed, something far greater is on the horizon. And here's where we come in. One Peter two seven, this precious value then is for those who believe in Him as God's only Son, the source of salvation. But for those who disbelieve, the very stone which the builders rejected has become the first or the chief cornerstone. And there's an invitation that the Apostle Peter gives. Come to him then as living stones. Precious in the sight of God. We are living stones. Anchored to the chief cornerstone. But before we can have that power, we have to lay down the stones of accusation. Just like, you know, for most of us, adultery It's still a horrible thing unless you're People Magazine and then it's okay. But it's not. I emptied my bag today. I will not pick up those stones again. But today I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. I'm going to ask you to do a prophetic act. If you know you have stones in your bags. After I pray, and we're, we're going to cut the video at that point. Because I want you to have a safe place, a private place. I want you to come up and just as a symbolic act, do whatever you want. You can. We've got three. This is more like a stone that will kill you. They wanted to the throw these at that woman caught in the act of adultery. But Jesus said, I don't condemn you. I find no fault in you. Go and sin no more. If you want. To empty your bag. I want you just to come forward. You can pick it up and lay it down. You can just touch it and walk away. But use it as a prophetic act. That you're not going to cast stones anymore. Not going to throw stones anymore. And look for ways to do good for your enemies. Look for ways. If you know somebody has wronged you. To turn around. I had something happen to me. A while back, somebody who had been a dear friend. This is years and years and years and years ago. And one day I realized and they had gone away, didn't, weren't in Texas. I realized, I, you know, I don't hear from that person anymore. And we were so close. And so I reached out. How are you doing? And, you know, we've lost touch and all those good things. I was not expecting in any way, shape or form what happened next. The stones that started flying at me, I couldn't, I couldn't duck fast enough. All these accusations of things that I had publicly said about her and that at least two to three people had contacted the person to say that I'd said these things from the pulpit, I'm telling you, I didn't. And I said, could you tell me who they are? I'd like to go to them. I mean, don't you think we have a right to meet our accusers? Oh no, call me a Pharisee and how dare me, I'm not even taking responsibility, I'm not asking forgiveness. Well, I am very quick to ask forgiveness if I've done something wrong, but how do you ask forgiveness? I mean, do you say, will you forgive me that you think? I said, I'm telling you, I didn't do it. Well, I've had two people. Well, yeah, these two people are friends. And apparently he had something, a problem with me. And, and I said, if you would just tell me who they are. I mean, I would love to settle this. No. And it was, I just never want to hear from you again. You are proud and self-righteous. This is someone, mind you, that I had completely laid down my life for. Now, I'm not telling you that because I, I did not have any stones against this person. Truly, I didn't innocent on this account but some years later i was reading matthew 5 and it says if you know your brother has ought against you leave your gift and go make it right and i thought okay lord i'll do it i don't know what to say but holy spirit i'm just asking you to just guide me and so i i sent a text which is how we had been communicating which i think is a horrible way to communicate but okay And so I sent a text, and I I literally followed what he said. I humbled myself. I said, I don't expect to hear back from you, but I just want you to know, and I just went through the whole thing. Never heard back, but you know what? I did my part. I did my part. And once you do your part, you're done. As far as it depends on you, live in peace. But throw down your stones. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you if you know that you've got even one stone in your bag that would prevent you. Amen. Even one stone in your bag. And you just want to lay down that stone. Or maybe you've got, like me, a boulders, (laughs) a whole sack. Clothed in white. Do it today. I'm sure I'm 10 pounds lighter, not in the natural. But in that unseen realm. But I know. I know that every blockage has been removed. So, Father, I just thank you that you love me so much. Just like you said in the book of Revelation in chapter 3, those whom I love, I tell their faults. Thank you for showing me my faults. And thank you for helping me to get through this message with no notes. And thank you, Lord, that you love all of these people so very much. And I just ask you, Lord, to do for them what you did for me. In your precious holy name, thank you for the blood that cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.